Hello and welcome to the Leaders' Council podcast with me, Joshua Jackson. As regular listeners will know, this podcast is all about speaking to the people who get up each day and make this country work, putting their teams and service users at the forefront of all they do and showcasing ingenuity and leadership along the way. And today I'm joined by Richard Blunden, CEO of Monkey Puzzle Day Nurseries. Richard, welcome onto the show. Hi, Joshua. It's a pleasure to join you today. Thank, yeah, you. thank you ever so much for, for taking the time out. Um, you know, I'm sure this is going to be a really interesting conversation given your specialisms. And if you wouldn't mind just, you know, giving everybody a bit of background about yourself and, um, and Monkey Puzzle, we can go on. Absolutely. Well, as you said, I'm the CEO of Monkey Puzzle Day Nurseries Group. I've been with the business for just over two and a half years now. And before that, predominantly, I was motor trade, working for some of the biggest manufacturers in the world at head office level, working on the franchising side. So it does seem a strange journey from motor trade to childcare, but actually that that transferable franchising experience from probably the most advanced franchising setup has been really valuable. I can imagine that is a a bit of a change. Mm. (laughs) It it definitely was. but it, it's been something that it was a great change, great opportunity to uh, move sector and try something different. And Monkey Puzzle, we've been established for over 15 years as a franchisor. Uh, we're the largest franchisor in the country. We pioneered franchising in the early years sector. So it's great to be involved in a business that's got such a rich history going back through the owners and family before that. So we really are a family business. That's, you know, really good to hear. And, um, you know, if you, especially if you can bring that sort of family vibe through to the franchise owners and, and the people that you're working with across the entire organization, it's something really positive and it's it's nice to be able to, to have that ethos. But, um, you know, obviously it's really impossible to ignore um, the effects of the last 18 months, COVID, the pandemic, the shutdowns, the effects on businesses and especially in your area on, on growth and developments. And, um, you know, how's all of that been for you? Has it has it been trying? Has it been has it been testing? Or have you been able to find a way through? I think it's been trying, testing, and we've managed to find a way through. So definitely all three of those. But I think it was certainly an opportunity for us to uh, accelerate a number of things. I think through the crisis, notwithstanding the pain and the suffering that so many people have experienced. We, we were able to advance our relationships with our franchisees because we were there as a national brand to support them in their, in their businesses and what's going on in their local market. And I think it, that's the real benefit of franchising. You can operate with your own sort of autonomy under a national brand that has that support structure. And I guess influence with government departments to, to help support and shape policy. Yeah, that's very much the the connection, isn't it? Making sure that they've got somebody to turn to, but also that you are, you know, you're there, really. You're the the sort of rock that that keeps the the business going. Um, you know, yes. your, yourself in this instance, did you find that that was actually quite a struggle, or did you find that you were you were sort of prepared as much as one could be uh, for something like this to be able to to sort of shoulder that burden and to be that support network? Um, it certainly was a challenge, but I, I think that when you're operating in that sort of emergency mode, um, actually every day you're working on very short-term objectives and you're working very closely with the team 
we we furloughed about half of our team immediately um, once the announcement came through. But that meant we had to work very closely and collaboratively. And actually, I think when when you look back, a number of things that we'd put in place last year really put us in a good position to cope with that and to be able to support our franchisees on a day-to-day basis. And I think suddenly we were thrown into that arena whereby there were, you know, maybe daily, sometimes every other day, webinars with our partners mm. and able to talk them through things because there was a plethora of information out there. And it's a really a real challenge for if outside a franchise setup for an independent to be able to take on that information and understand what does that mean for me. And I think that's probably uh, the biggest service we could give to our franchisee partners over that time, as well as some intelligence as to what's going on and how to approach it. So it, it was a challenge, but it, it's something I think we were really well set up for. Did you find that um, your sort of franchising had to shut down as well or your partners had to shut down or did they manage to sort of, you know, uh, stay open throughout this and, and provide support and, and remain a, a connection for their communities? Or, you know, was there, was there something else at play? Mm-hmm. So when, when you look at our sort of uh, network estate, we've currently got about 63 sites. We'll be in the early 70s by the end of our financial year in March. But throughout lockdown, we had 21 of our 63 sites open throughout, caring for key workers and their children. So that was fantastic because those nurseries are performing uh, a really valuable service in their community and to to help people get back to work and to support those people. So it was a third, a third shut, uh, sorry, a third open throughout. And I think by the middle of July, we had the whole network open fully up and running uh, so that that was that's tremendous and that that was a really uh, strong recovery from that perspective and i think from a, a government perspective they recognized the importance of early years throughout so with the first lockdown actually that that meant nobody could really do, do anything because you mm. can't look after children and work even if you're working from home so the service that early years provides and our network provides to their communities has really helped uh, the country to get back and up and running and back to work. And, you know, looking at it now, obviously you say that everything's sort of reopened, things have now changed. We're in a, so far in that equilibrium period whereby testing levels are, are roughly remaining the same slight increase over the past week, but, but nothing too untoward. And is everything sort of stable for you? Is everybody back open? Has sort of the growth in attendance levels um, gone back to normal or is there still a bit of a drop off? Yeah, it's really, really interesting when you look at the data. And actually, one thing that was really important is to understand, you know, the, there were three stages really of the COVID impact. So to start with, you're, you're in that emergency phase and you're just living day to day, focusing on what needs to be delivered that day. But then also there's a regression phase and you can see that because people are tired, they're, they're impacted by so much going on all of the time and you know relatively high levels of stress across the business. But then there's the recovery phase as well. And I think we, we started to see that towards the end of last year. Mm. Obviously, our revenues as a franchisor were hit very significantly. And our network as well, it had a really huge impact on them. 
But what we're actually seeing now is uh, well beyond recovery, whereby we're experiencing sort of record revenues because there are parents returning because they need to get back to work. Mm. So we've had a huge number of sign-ups. And I think if you look at the like-for-like growth on perhaps 2019, because that's a better comparison year, we'll be up about 13% like-for-like from a volume perspective, additional sign-ups to the nurseries, and from a revenue perspective. So that's tremendous. But we also recognize that there are a, a number of macro factors that are really impacting people in their day-to-day lives. So everything that you probably know more about than me coming up that's impacting people, we're aware of that at the same time. But certainly the, the nurseries have bounced back. And one thing you can say about the early years sector is that it's a resilient sector. It's probably, well, not even probably, it's one that's been uh, undervalued and under-supported uh, from the government over time. And, you know, you really understand why there's a lot of investment coming into the sector because investors are seeing a resilient sector, mm. a sector that actually fits their their strategy from a social and corporate responsibility perspective. And it's a sector that enables the country to get back to work. Mm. So it's from that perspective, it's a great place to be. Well, there's two things there that I, I want to sort of explore a little bit. Firstly, you're talking, obviously, it's been historically underappreciated by government, by government departments. It isn't uh, an area that is technically seen under that educational umbrella. And do you think that there was, there is enough support, there is enough now, um, you know, spotlight being put on the, the value of early years, both uh, as you, you you know, your franchise st- franchisees start in the, the baby to all the way through to to preschool. Um, you know, is that is that spotlight actually sort of increasing and, and growing? And are you getting the support there? I think it's changing. I think again, COVID has highlighted a number of things and the importance and responsibility of the early years sector and the part that they play overall, not only for parents and children and staff within the businesses, but for the economy and the ability for the the economy to bounce back. Um, Not much has changed in terms of the support that is offered, but I do believe that the conversations are happening now uh, between the sector representatives, uh, of which we're one, and some of our real pioneers in terms of the early years and how they're interacting with government departments. So I think the... The proof is in the pudding on that and what comes out the other side, but there there are full reviews going on. Um, But I'm not sure, as none of us are, what the outcome of that will be. But it's something that needs to be addressed, absolutely. No, it's always the when you get bogged down into the the bureaucratic elements, the sort of glacial rate of change. It's um, you know, yes. people on the ground want everything to be done very quickly, but obviously that just doesn't happen the further up and uh, sort of nationwide you go, really. Um, but then, you know, a lot of the areas across the UK at the moment are suffering from staffing shortages. You look at yes. uh, the care sector, especially. Um, are you finding that that's something that's affecting you as well as in the early years sector? Or is that something that you're a little bit removed from and, uh, you know, have a bit of a buffer? No, it's absolutely right. I think that's the number one uh, challenge that the sector is facing at the moment. It is really tough out there with staff staff. 
those roles. And we had a lot of uh, European staff working in the nurseries. That's been a huge challenge. And also people are, are facing different challenges themselves. And because we've got two sides to our business, so we are firstly uh, a franchisor, Mm. Uh, looking after our network partners, but we also run a nursery group ourselves under the Monkey Pals and Banner. So we're seeing uh, the staff challenges very, very close to home from the nurseries that we run. And a number of our franchisees are talking to us about what we can do to support them to uh, try and solve that. But I think uh, there is no magic uh, silver bullet for that. But I think the focus has got to be on uh, retention and how we look after staff, mm. how we provide that psychologically safe environment for them to be brave and courageous. Yeah. And yes, they make mistakes, but to to move forwards in their careers, I think that's very very important. Lots of us talk about it, but I think uh, quite a few fewer people actually live that day to day. So I think there is that aspect. So we've got to look after the staff that we have uh, in the same way you've got to look after the customers that you have. But also from an early years perspective, we've got to make early years aspirational. Yes. So from our perspective, you look at making early years aspirational and there are some fantastic providers out there that we love being part of the sector with. But we also want to make Monkey Puzzle aspirational mm. and Monkey Puzzle a home for our franchisees, their staff, and also the staff that work for us at head office. So it's really important to focus on some of those, so some of those soft factors that have such a significant impact on people's lives. And I think from a head office perspective, it was probably my priority when I came in to make sure that we look after our people, we develop them, we give them the tools that they need to have a real impact on the business. Because that's the only way we can expect them to look after our customers, Absolutely. first and foremost, or our franchisees, but also the customers that are parents mm. and how we look after them and we respect that we already have them. It's not about having new tactical, tactical activity to get new people on board. Mm. It's about respecting and looking after what we have already. So I think that was my number one priority when I joined. And, and actually on that, there, you know, was reading some uh, McKinsey articles recently, and it talked about museum um, organisations and the factors or characteristics that they demonstrated through COVID uh, that was successful. And I think I can look at those and say, well, those were the things we were working on pre-crisis. We didn't need crisis to focus our minds on what we should be doing. Yes. We were already working on that infrastructure. So I think that's what really helped us through that. And that's helped our staff and mm. the staff in the network to really feel valued and part of the journey. Well, I'm glad to hear that it isn't all, you know, doom and gloom. A lot of the time when you're speaking to people, um, it is just focus on the negatives. But so far, you know, we have mm. obviously touched on some of the challenges, but you're seeing good growth. You're seeing incredible return rates. You're seeing support and people turning to you for the good work that you're doing and the quality leadership that you've been showing. And that's, yeah. you know, a really nice, um, you know, picture to paint of, of the organization and obviously of the ethos that you've been able to, to instill amongst the team that 
they're there and, and all of your partners across the UK. So, you know, I've offered my congratulations on that one. That's, uh, you know, a really nice, <laughs> nice, nice place to be at. And, you know, when we're you. sort of looking to your leadership style, um, you know, a lot of people have had to change how they work. Uh, a lot of people have had to step up and, um, you know, realize that actually the old way of working wasn't quite right um, during this time. And do you think that you've had a lot of lessons to learn? And if so, what were they? Absolutely. There are always huge lessons to learn. And I think in, in terms of my leadership style, um, I want to empower the people around me to make decisions to have autonomy, to feel safe to make uh, brave decisions, to be creative. Because the second that you, and I think it's maybe sometimes uh, uh, overly talked about without the detail, but that psychologically safe environment whereby people are empowered and they feel ready to make those courageous decisions and creative changes to the way we do things. Because we, we have to adapt. So I'm that's what excites me from a leadership perspective. And also, I, I surround myself uh, with great people. Uh, I surround myself with people that are better than me at many things. And I think that's a vulnerability you have to embrace as a leader. And I'm very proud when I look at the people that surround me as a leadership team, as the staff in the business, and the way we've got leaders across the business. It's we talk about leadership here, not management, because we think that's, that is the way forward and that's what we live day to day. So I think that's, that was my priority when I came here to build that team. Um, and that was well before COVID hit. And, and that's worked very well for us. And I, I've learned a lot from the people that are around me. We were also provided with a fantastic foundation from our owners and founders. Uh, who set the business up and pioneered franchising in the space. So we had a great place to work from. Uh, so that, that's, been, that's been a good experience. I think on the other hand, you, you also look at ways of working, and one of our strategic pillars is a, around creating optimal ways of working, mm. and that's certainly changed throughout COVID because we've become used to communicating and collaborating in different ways. Mm. And actually you need... You need different systems in place for that. And I'm really pleased that we put those in before, but it, it evolved very, very quickly the way we were using those and interacting. Yes. So it, okay. it, sorry. Oh, carry on, oh, I was going to say, it sounds like you had a real strong sort of foundational element to be able to build on here, that everything yeah. was in place for you to you know, weather the storm, essentially, and, uh, and and actually sort of shore up the foundations and, and carry on. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of organizers had to do that, that, that panic stage and that, that real sort of, you know, are we going to survive moment? And it actually seems from this conversation that you were you, you were ready for anything that was thrown at you. And that's a, a quality sign of a, of a well-run business and a well-run um, organization that, that can look ahead and continuously adapt. Ah. Yeah, I, I thank you for that. And yes, I agree. And I, you know, the owners have done a tremendous job and the, the staff have taken responsibility, accountability and ownership of, of what they're doing and how we, we are greater than the sum of our parts, for sure. But I think at the outset, as well as focusing on the people here, it was so important to establish a common purpose and how we were going to communicate that and be clear on our why, what's our just cause, why do we exist, 
because I think that becomes your North Star. So when you're going through challenging times, mm. you're able to go back to that and say, yeah, this is, this is what our vision is of the future. And we're very clear, therefore, how we go about that, what the behaviors and how we show up as people within the business. So that's our how. And actually our what is about how we create different elements. So the places for children to play, learn and grow or solutions for parents to support their day-to-day needs or actually best-in-class franchise opportunities mm. for those that want to contribute to communities through business. So I think we, we've got clarity on that. And then with the strategic pillars, it gives us uh, something that adapts to all sorts of different situations. And that, that's certainly what we've gone through. So looking ahead then to the to the future, to the next sort of six months, 12 months, 18 months, what's your focus? Is it to um, have a, you know, more franchisees, more partners? Is it to um, just solidify and keep the structure of the business going and improve internally? So growth is absolutely on, uh, on our agenda and, and that's something that we've always had throughout our 15 years and pretty aggressive double-digit growth year on year throughout, apart from last year. So growth is important and we are looking for new franchisees. We've got some growth opportunities there. But actually, all of that's a vanity project if we're not pursuing excellence and we don't have clarity about what we're trying to do. And actually, we've got franchisees now who we value and want to look after and be the best franchisor that we can be. Because otherwise, it is a vanity project, just adding numbers, adding revenue, adding all these different elements to the business. Mm. But we want to get our basics right first. And I think, you know, to do that, we've, we've got that structure set up to allow the decision making to, to be rapid. Our decision tree is quite short. We've, we've certainly developed a culture that empowers people. And we've also given them the tools, the technology, the systems and workflow support their needs on a day-to-day basis so looking forward absolutely we we are growing you know we'll add quite a few sites before the end of our financial year and we do enjoy starting nurseries from scratch because we want to allow the franchisees to instill their culture in a startup business rather than necessarily acquire businesses whereby you have to go through a huge change management program to get them in in line with the way we do things and that that culture piece so growth we've definitely got growth on the agenda we're expanding rapidly but we are very very grounded in excellence and what we need to deliver to our existing customers and our existing franchising. And that's an interesting point about starting, you know, you like to start new areas. It's always great to see people start the process. You can really get an idea of their mindset and the different changes that go on in each position as well. You know, everyone has a new idea and a new way of doing something. So, you know, especially you being open to that and adaptable to it as well, it can can really help, you know, if you find something great and and spread that across the rest. Um, You know, really interesting way of doing things. But um, obviously it's not just the business um that you know, with monkey puzzle you also have a uh, a great um, sort of charitable initiative with the pepper foundation and um you know i would just how have you been helping and uh, sort of what are the plans um going forwards absolutely the the relationship with the pepper foundation is uh it's pretty new 
So we've been working with them for about a year now. And it actually came out of uh, our staff survey last year. And we, uh, we went through the great place to work survey and process for the first time last year. And it was unanimous across the whole team that we wanted to do that because we wanted to make sure we could grow and evolve for our people. And happily, it was unanimous that we are a great place to work and we achieved excellence and well-being. And the import, one of the important elements of feedback that we hadn't really seen was the challenge about how we impact our community. Mm. Because we, we know that, I, I guess, through our network, we have impact across communities across the whole country. However, us as a head office team and field team, it's really important that we could have an impact on the local community. So that was something that we um, got onto straight away following the survey. And it's not about a tick box going through this. It's about something we live day to day. So we got in touch with Pepper Foundation and the alignment was really significant with, with what they do and how they operate. So to date, we've, we've sponsored their, the Pepper Foundation show, which we actually went to last night, which was one of six shows that they're doing this week. So they've got quite a lot going on this mm. week. But we've also then donated to them because it's something that they've really struggled with through COVID. Um, it's really, really sad when you, you look at the numbers and the, the sponsorship and donations that they've lost. And also the ability to go through their annual fundraising process with the, the Pepper Show. So the Pepper Foundation is a small charity that raises money to help fund children's hospice at home nursing care yeah. in Buckinghamshire and Hertfordshire. So what fantastic alignment uh, with us, with with our vision, certainly being around uh, inspiring change in people's lives through excellence in childcare for generations to come. Well. That's a pretty good alignment with the Pepper Foundation. So we met uh, a number of their um, foundation last night that we hadn't met before. I went to their show, which was absolutely fantastic. And actually, we're, we're looking at different ways of supporting them over the next 12 months because donating money is great and essential, but also we want to donate time. We want to spend time with them and see what we can do and have an impact on physically. So... Yeah, whether it's gardens being cleared, whether it's storerooms being cleared and shelving put up, or whatever we can do to impact their situation and help them beyond sending money, uh, which we will carry on doing, is really important to us. So the the relationship's strong, and it's only going to get stronger for sure. I think that's really nice um, as an organisation to be doing that and realising that people don't just need you know, money being thrown at an issue, they also need help, hands on the ground, volunteers, time, people talking about these things and sort of showcasing the work that they do as well. So it's been really great to have you, uh, you know, give a bit of background on the work that you're doing and the work that they're doing and the help that uh, that they can give but um you know richard it's been absolutely it's been an absolute pleasure having you on today um a really interesting uh conversation looking at some of the some of the challenges that you've been going through but the growth prospects and just the general level of support that you're giving to so many people across the uk and that's obviously what being part of the leaders council is all about sam hearing from leaders going through their struggling moments and 
you know, coming out stronger and, and supporting those around them. So a prime example. Thank you ever so much. Thanks, Joshua. It's been a pleasure to speak with you and uh, look forward to speaking to you again. Brilliant. Richard, thank you. Goodbye. Thanks, Joshua. Goodbye.